Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all of you in our digital health community, wherever you are listening in the world, and welcome to the HitLab Digital Health Podcast. My name is Jerry Antimano. I am the Community Development Manager at HitLab, and today we bring you an interview from one of our Women's Health Tech Wednesday events. Every Wednesday, we have a fireside chat where we interview different female leaders in the healthcare industry, dive into their experience and story, and hear about insights they might have with any number of current healthcare topics. In this particular episode, our host Nina Joshi from Kaiser Permanente interviewed Victoria Izzy and Gia Rosmarin from Witham about taxes and capital in technology. A great session this time focused on giving some great advice to startups and founders. So let's have a listen to where Nina met Victoria and Gia. Today, we will be bringing on Gia Rosmarin, who is a CPA partner and women in tech team lead, and Victoria Izzy, who is a CPA and women's health and wellness tech co-lead at Witham. And this is a very special episode today because today we will be doing more of an office hours type format for any and all questions related to taxes, finances, raising capital. So with that, we'd like to formally bring on our guests, Victoria and Gia. Thank you both so much for being here today. Happy to be here. All right. So maybe to kick things off, would love if you can share a little bit more about yourself and the work that you do at Witham. Sure. Thanks, Nina. And by the way, so happy to be partnering with you guys. You know, we've already met so many incredible founders, mostly women founders, but of course, all founders. So it's been such a great ride so far. And again, thank you for having us. So just a quick intro. I'm Gia Rosmarin, as Nina said, um, been working with women founders for a very long time. I'm a tax partner here and I actually lead the tech and emerging growth um, space for taxes uh, here at Witham. We also have a founders group. And what that means is that we started noticing that, you know, not only on the business side, do you guys have questions, but they're on the, on the individual side, there's a lot of questions and they sort of just go hand in hand, whether you're operating as a partnership or a C-corp and so forth. So we actually have a great team on the individual side and that team can help you with all of your personal tax questions and your wealth planning and anything you may be thinking about there. And then, of course, on the business side. So we are so looking forward to you know, meeting everyone today. We certainly want this to be interactive. Um, love the you know, women's health space. Victoria and I, and you can see Victoria is the, the leader of the um, women's health and wellness you know, vertical that we have here. And we just kind of noticed over the pandemic, so much attention has been brought to women and, and health and wellness, which is fabulous. So really, really excited to, to meet everyone today. Hopefully we can provide some valuable insight. We can also provide our contact information if anyone has follow-up questions. So with that, I'll turn it over to Victoria. Yeah, great, Gia. Yeah, it sounds like you, you covered a lot about what we do with them. But um, again, like Gia said, happy to be here. Um, Definitely passionate um, about the women's health and wellness space. You know, I, I have personal connections to it, of course, being a woman, being one of, one of them, of course. Um, but it's just a super exciting space. Tons going on, and it's really a cool uh, intersection mm-hmm. of um, really helping people, but then also, you know, really strong, strong business minds coming together. So um, a little bit about me. 
Um, I'm on the audit side of things. So Gia talked about tax. I kind of handle the audit financial statement prep review side of things. Um, so I can, you know, help you out with talking about cash management, talking about your financials, you know, what you should think about uh, when you're going out into the, the funding space and cash burn and, and those kinds of things. So, um, you know, again, excited to be here. Definitely um, see ourselves as an advocate for the women's health and wellness space. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing your questions and helping in any way we can. All right, awesome. Well, excited to kind of, you know, get the ball rolling here. Um, so for anyone who's all of our folks that are listening, please use the Q&A feature um, at the bottom of your screen to, answer, to ask any questions um, for these two experts. But in the meantime, um, we did get some questions ahead of time. So would love to maybe just kind of start there just to get the ball rolling. Um, sure. So the first question that we have is, what are areas of a new business that are often overlooked in terms of expenses? Um, so by that kind of, you know, from your experience, what are some of the expenses to essentially be prepared for that are not often anticipated, you know, when starting a new business? Yeah, and, and Gia, I'll go ahead and, and grab this mm -hmm. one, but feel free to jump in. Um, so there's a lot, right? Um, there's a lot of sneaky things that can come up that you might not anticipate. And, and you know, I think that that's really it says a lot about a founder, right? When you're a founder and you're starting your own company, you're passionate about the product and, and passionate about what you're putting out there into the marketplace. And sometimes, yeah, you can lose sight of maybe these other expenses that you just, it's not your expertise or you haven't had it to experience yet. And that's really where, you know, accountants and attorneys come in to really help. Um, that said, accountants and attorneys do cost. So those can be some expenses, I would say, especially attorneys. Um, as you're getting started, attorneys, while they can be expensive and a little bit sometimes sticker shock, um, there is value in having a strong attorney on your side um, in developing those initial documents for founding, you know, for starting up your company. Um, and, and as you know, you get into funding and having really strong documentation to make sure you're protecting your equity and protecting what you want, you know, your company vision to look like, um, and kind of going into that equity. Cause I know a lot of folks, especially founders out there, um, you know, series raises and funding and getting that cash in, right. To really get your business off the ground, um, is, is key thing, right? Cash is always king. Yeah. Um, so something to really analyze and look at is your cash burn on a monthly basis. That's going to really tell you where are you spending your money, right? So basically it, it could be as simple when you're very first starting out pre-revenue, you know, what, what cash is coming in, what cash is going out, right? And, and looking at your bank statement every month and, and splitting those out. And then what you should be doing is kind of taking a look at what's my balance, what's my bank balance at the end of the month, what's my typical burn on a monthly basis, how much cash am I spending? Mm -hmm. And then you can kind of see, hey, what's, what's my runway? How much time do I have with the cash that I have on hand, right? So that can give you a little bit of insight mm -hmm. there on, you know, okay, maybe, you know, I, I need to scale up some attorney costs or scale back, right? And, and just kind of be a little bit more strategic with the money that you, you have and that you're spending based on what you have in the bank. And that's also helpful when you're actually going for funding, right? When you're looking to either, and we'll talk about this probably a little bit more in a little bit, but um, when you're getting convertible notes or series rounds or, or how, however you're getting that cash, um, you know, how much do you ask for? How much, what's your ask, right? Like that's, I feel like the biggest thing when you're going to pitch, right? What's your ask? 
So, you know, when you're looking at your cash burn and you're trying to forecast, okay, how much runway do I need? And do I want before I go through another funding round or before I'm getting, starting to get revenue generating or something like that, you really kind of need to take an honest look at that mm-hmm. time frame. Is it 12 months? Is it 24 months? You know, don't, don't cut yourself short. And, and it's so important that you have that insight because it's, it's the worst feeling in the world to run out of cash. Um, it's not fun and, and it can affect you personally. You know, if you feel like you need to add some funds of your own in there, you know, invest a little bit more that can get sticky. So as much forecasting as you can do is just key. So I know you know, I feel like legal expenses are probably the biggest ones that folks might not expect. I think there's also, you know, if you do have some foreign subsidiaries, things like that, that definitely plays into it as well. Kind of the, you know, foreign tax um, mm-hmm. things to be mindful of. So, love it. Very, I, very. I, I think you very covered it, right? I, I, I do. Just to chime in, um, you know, obviously I focus more on the tax side, and I know we'll get there. But Victoria, you definitely said something to me that really resonated. You know, should I go out and 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 connect with an attorney? And and we onboard a lot of companies after maybe they've, you know, I mean, we definitely work with you know pre-seed um, companies, but most of our companies, to be honest, have already done their first raise, and then we start talking to them, and let's say they're a partnership, for example, and then we're like, well, this is what your agreement says, or this is what you guys are saying. Like that wasn't the intent. Mm. That, no, that is not what I meant. Well, that's what your agreement says. And guess what? Now your business is worth millions of dollars and you owe that person half of it. And right like, no, that was never the intent. So I do think it's really important. There are also, I'm not going to get granular here, but there are very important elections. It is called an 83B election. If you have stock in a C corporation, you don't make that election in the future. It can be the most costly election you did not make. Mm. So Getting that attorney right up front on the date of formation is probably one of the most critical steps, if way more than the accountant. Yep, <laughs> um, yep, yep. So really, really think about that because your cash burn will happen a lot quicker if your expenses down the road are getting hit because things weren't done from day one. So I, I couldn't agree more with you, Victoria. Absolutely. Wow, very, very insightful. <laughs> um, so we have another question from the audience. Um, so this, this participant is getting ready to do their first seed round. Very exciting. Um, the question is, what should we be thinking about and who should we be getting advice from for this first seed round? You want to start? Yeah, I can start. Um, you know, that's a really great question. Um, I think of course, you know, look at your, you know, I don't know, obviously your, your structure and, and the, um, the folks you have involved in your company, right? If you, if you have, um, you know, some mentors that you have seen have successful rounds, I would say, you know, ask them, how, how did they do it? Right. Like how get their advice. Right. Um, I feel like that's always a good place to start. Um, and also talk to your attorneys. Um, like I just said before, a hundred percent, I think that is the, the key thing, um, and make sure that, you have everything that you need documented and the agreements that you need documented going into the series seed. Um, you know, and also like she has said that it's going to turn out the way you want it in the end. Um, and also, you know, consider, I, I understand you're getting ready for your series seed, but don't forget there's other, you know, funding opportunities out there that 
that are also good fits for some folks. So um, there's safe notes, which are really hot right now. You know, those are convertible notes where you get the cash up front and then later it converts to equity. So, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. that's, that's what we see a lot of times with, with early startups, a really great way to go. Um, also, there are, you know, actual convertible notes that tend to have interest and in, in are considered, you know, debt, um, but then they'll also convert on the next funding round. So, you know, there's, there's options out there. Um, if, you know, you're, you're pre-seed maybe, or you're getting ready for that seed round, um, just other options as well. But yeah, I would definitely say talk to your attorneys, um, make sure your structure is solid and, and that you have a good game plan for what you want the seed to look like. Mm. And all I would add to that is know why you're raising a million dollars, for example. Yeah. What are you going to do with the money? And to Victoria's first point, what's your burn rate? Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of early founders that get a million dollars and they're beside, oh my God, I now have a million dollars in the bank. And then we help them and in three months it'll be gone. Because R&D is expensive and a lot, we work with a lot of tech companies and you know a lot of you are in the health and wellness space, which is going to require tech. It's very expensive and it's usually gone and you don't want to be sitting there three months later and you've run through all the money. And then the only other thing is when you're looking at debt, understand if you're doing a personal guarantee, mm. right? When you, if you're going to the bank and you're going to borrow or you're going somewhere, are you personally on the hook for that money? That is really important. I know everyone believes in themselves, um, but you know, with some of these rounds, convertible debt, I don't believe you would be, or, or sometimes you are and sometimes you aren't. It's called a personal guarantee. I see it as a PG. Um, know what you're getting yourself into. Yep. Do you have to return that money and what is, what is going to happen? And if you need more, will they give you more? Is it the right strategic partner for you? Don't get overly excited about somebody giving you a million dollars that you know may not be the right partner. Mm. So. That's really interesting. Yep. And then just to add like one more thing to that, you know, as you are looking through these legal documents that you're getting, right? Like, like Gia said, with the personal guarantee, re I know the paragraphs, the, the attorneys draft up these paragraphs that are sometimes difficult to read and not in plain English, but it's so important that you ask, what does this mean? Explain mm -hmm. this to me explain this to me, you know, I, I, I do it myself probably on a daily basis sometimes, explain this to me like I'm five, because it's so, it's your business, right? If you don't understand what's happening with it, then things can go off the rails really quickly. Mm -hmm. So take that time. And, and that's why I know like we, we sponsor this with Goodwin and not to like plug Goodwin, but they're really great with this mm -hmm. as well. And then, you know, that's why though having like Gia said, those key partners, um, whether it be mentors, board of directors, or even your attorneys or accountants to kind of talk you through it and explain, hey, how does this affect me? Yeah. How is this going to benefit me? How is this going to hurt me? What, how is this going to affect me 10 years from now when maybe I'm looking to exit? Um, so, you know, it's, it's just so important that you ask those questions. And if you're unsure, just ask. Um, it can't hurt. It doesn't make you look bad. Um, we promise. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Ask questions. And, and I liked how, um, you know, you'd mentioned really not just thinking about like partners or investors from just pure like money transaction, but as partners, I think that's also really good advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and kind of on that note, uh, when it comes to raising in general, I had a question about, you know, you had mentioned safe, you had mentioned convertible debt, you know, what are some of the other just options on the table when it comes to different ways to raise capital, um, you know, kind of in those earlier stages? 
if you could kind of give us like a, a lay of the land, that'd be really helpful. Yeah. I mean, there are so many, right. So of course there's like, you know, um, you know, friends, family, finance, you know, giving mm-hmm. you the equity, right. There's those pieces, but as you're looking to kind of grow and get kind of more substantial investment, um, you know, typically what we do see is folks starting out with like safe notes and convertible notes, the safe notes, um, kind of the difference there is, is they don't have as, is varying of terms, right? So convertible notes, um, they can be a little bit more complex. They have interest rates and, and can have some varying convertible um, effects later on. For safe notes can be, they're a little bit more cut and dry. Um, and, and we see people honestly do whole series raises using safe notes or using convertible oh. notes. Um, mm-hmm. So like they'll just go out into the marketplace and just give safe notes. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of what they've been doing instead. So that way it converts the equity on the next round. So maybe later they're ready to do a, a series A down the road, it'll all convert at that time. So versus having to, to worry about um, principal or paying the cash back. So sometimes, the, and, and also the big benefit of doing like convertible notes or safe notes is mm-hmm. the legal costs. So as you get into the funding oh. rounds and like the seed rounds and the series A, there's a lot of legal costs that go into there. Uh, you know, the, the um, purchase agreements that come out are sometimes 400, 500 pages long, right? So it's, it's an attorney sitting there drafting all that up and you're having to pay for that, right? Yeah. Where if you're still early on, you don't, you know, you're just trying to get cash to get through the next year or something like that, then, right. you know, maybe, it, and obviously everybody's different, right? It's all about your comfort level, what you want with your company. So I don't want to like give advice and then, you know, it's specific for someone, happy to talk through it separately if somebody has a specific question. Um, but I would say, you know, typically when you're just getting started and kind of looking for a cash inflow, usually it's the safe note, convertible note route that we see people start with first mm-hmm. and then kind of mm-hmm. go into the, the larger once they have a little bit more, um, you know, they're having revenue or, you know, more cash flow coming in outside of just equity influxes. So Hopefully that helps. I'm not sure, Nina, if that kind of captured your question. Yeah, no, that was that was perfect. Awesome. <laughs> um, and then also just for the chat, it's safe, not safe. So S-A-F-E, safe. Oh, yeah, safe. <laughs> yep, S-A-F-E. What is it, a simple agreement for future equity? It ah, is. it's an acronym. Look at you, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you Google, if you Google safe yeah. note, I promise you'll see tons, um, tons of articles out there. It's, it's a really hot topic right now. Yeah. Um, especially as there's all these transactions and things going on in the marketplace, safe notes have, have been a pretty good, reliable thing for, um, early startups. That's really, really helpful. Yeah. Awesome. And then kind of, um, also another question that we got from the audience, how much money should startups budget for consultants, advisors, you know, advisory boards, et cetera. Is there kind of a percentage that is advisable? Um, you know, it kind of comes and Gia, correct me, you know, if you feel differently, but I feel like it kind of comes down to your individual comfort level and where you see your company going, right. Um, and, and what capital you have, you know, if, if you have availability for capital, um, and you can, you know, budget a lot for those folks, then, then do it. But if, if, you know, you're kind of bootstrapped, mm-hmm. um, you know, talk to those, those folks you want to work with. And I think that that this is actually, for me, a true sign of a good advisor, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody who sees potential in your company and is willing to work with you on fees and things like that early on, because they see your growth, they see where you're going, and they know that it's 
because if you think about it from a, an advisor standpoint as well, it's a little bit of an investment on our end too, right? So we're coming into this as a relationship. It's not just one-sided where, you know, you know, like going to buy a, a widget at the store, yeah. like we're a service, we get it, like you're getting started and we want to be there to passionately support you as well. So, you know, I would say when you're talking to advisors, have that conversation with them and just be honest, be like, hey, I, you know, this is what I want to do. What's that going to cost me? And is there anything, you know, it can't hurt to ask for a discount, uh, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, and, and just be honest with them about where you are from a cash flow standpoint as well, um, because they can't help you also if you don't communicate that information. Because I know if, if folks come to us and say, you know, we're strapped for cash, okay, that we're going to have a different route that maybe we advise them on. Um, yeah. versus another. So again, it's just being transparent and having those conversations. And unfortunately, I, Gia, you might have a set percentage that you typically recommend, you know, it's kind of a company by company. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't necessarily see a percentage. I will tell you like, you know, companies that on board, we look at it and it's mostly legal fees are the number one things that we do see. And I'll call it a trial balance, but on your expenses, um, it's the number one cost as, as in addition to like R&D, which sometimes is just salary related. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you this, um, law firms, advisors, they can all take advisory shares. And I know we didn't bring that up. Mm-hmm. Accounting firms can't take sh- advisory shares just because we have to adhere by independence rules. So we can't be invested in a company that we're working with. So a little bit different, but we have seen so many attorneys um, take advisory shares and like, too bad we didn't have that. <laughs> they're exiting and you know, we get the cap tables and we're like, oh my gosh, they they did well on this. You know, yeah. we're like, okay. Um, so they made that that just may be an option there. You know, yeah. they get paid in, in options or shares versus yeah. no cash. That, I didn't even know that's very interesting. Did not know that was an option. Um, so like kind of going the equity move with some of these um these experts as well. Yeah. We yep. we wish we could a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. But we can't. Yeah. I love that. Um, so also have another question um, related to, you know, founders that are in their um, kind of like the first few years of their business. So the question is for founders who are maybe in their first few years of the business, you know, working out of their homes, what impact does their business have on their personal taxes? So the question really goes to um, what type of entity are you, okay? And on your personal return, you can have a Schedule C, which is just your own business. And that is just filed on your personal tax return. You can be an LLC, which is also a partnership. And that is a, a, an entity that's owned by two or more people. And you set up your percentages and how you're going to share, what you, you're each going to contribute. And that flows, again, to your personal return. Then there is the option of a C corporation. A C corporation is a separate legal entity and you would own the stock of that entity. Okay. So that entity would file its own taxes, pay its own taxes. You do not receive um, the income or loss is not taxed to you personally. Mm-hmm. You only pay tax if you sell it in, or as almost if you own the stock of like IBM. There are pros and cons to LLCs. There are pros and cons to C-Corps. I can't say there's any right or wrong. I will say be careful with S-Corporations because it is hard to get out of an S-Corporation. And when you have an investor, normally 
in an S corporation, you can only have individual shareholders. Okay, so we see a lot of S corps formed, and then an investor wants to come in, and they will automatically terminate your S corp, and that can actually be costly. So I don't love the S corp. I'm not saying if you have an S corp, anybody's on the phone is panicking right now. It's okay. Um, I also notice a lot of our startups will start with an LLC and then an investor will come in and automatically say, we only invest in C-Corps, Delaware C-Corps. So mm -hmm. we're having you convert. The conversion is normally tax-free from LLC to C. It's okay. Um, there's just a lot of pros and cons. I think we actually have an article that we're happy to share. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, awesome. You know, it, there, there's no right or wrong. Like Victoria keeps saying, it's such a personal decision. Um, but working from home, you know, it doesn't really matter. Everyone is working remotely these days, whether you're going to rework space or you're working from your house or working from somewhere, mm -hmm. wherever you're working from, that does create what we call nexus. You probably have a filing requirement in the state. So Victoria's sitting in Texas right now. That's why she's so happy. She will, <laughs> well, she's lucky. Texas doesn't have a personal tax return. So everybody on this call moved to Texas or Florida. Um, <laughs> I am so fortunate to sit in New Jersey where there's a high personal tax rate because I'm here, I work here, I have to file here. So you don't want to miss the state side of it. Um, but yeah, depending on what type of entity you have set up will determine how that impacts your personal tax filings. Personal tax filings are due 415. So hopefully everybody on this call has a handle on those. Um, it's all good. You can go on extension. If you go on extension, those are now due October 15th. Of course, it's an extension of time to file, not an extension of time to Got it. So, Very um, <laughs> I just realized that we're, you know, two minutes away. There's just so, there's so many questions. Um, and you just, you know, I think maybe a great way to, to kind of end and hopefully, you know, we definitely need to have a part two of this, of this discussion. Sure. Um, but, you know, one of the things I think that, you know, just from this conversation has made me realize about just, just how there's so many options out there. There's just so many ways that, you know, you can just get information. So I'd love to learn from both of you, you know, for those that are new to the space, just kind of want a basic, just understanding of like financial literacy when it comes to like what there is to do. Um, how can folks kind of get some of that education? Like, are there any resources that you would recommend um, or kind of places to start just so that they can kind of, you know, beef up their own understanding? You know, we did a great document with Goodwin on the common pitfalls that we should really share to this entire group. And we can send that to you. It was pasted, uh, posted, sorry, on social media, mm -hmm. but it was such a great article only because it was like the common love. That. I don't want to call them mistakes. Um, I think we call them consider. pitfalls. Yeah. yeah. So we can certainly share that with you and maybe post it to all these people here or even just repost it on social media. Yeah. I think it's a good place to start. I don't know, Victoria, if you have anything else to add to that. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that that's a, a great spot. And then also, you know, there are resources out there. I believe a masterclass recently came out with an accounting um, course. I haven't seen oh. it, so I don't want to like bet for it, but that's pretty cool. You know, if you're looking to just understand accounting a little bit, what are debits and credits? Um, you know, and, and I would just say, you know, this sounds cheesy, but talk to, talk to an accountant, right? Come have a call with us. Um, you know, it can't hurt. It's your company and getting it set up with the right partners early on is only going to set you up for success later. So, um, you know, reach out. We're happy to have calls, um, you know, half hour to discuss what's going on with your company and see if maybe we can help. Um, so yeah, definitely. I would say 
reach out and, you know, you can Google a little bit, but I, I, just be careful what you find on the internet. It's not always, exactly. uh, <laughs> it's not always accurate yeah. or correct. So that's why I always say text your accountant. <laughs> I love it. Well, I mean, that is, I think, a really good place to end. Thank you both so much for just providing so much context, not only on the tax side of the house, but also on just the funding and the fundraising. Um, you know, these are all really important, you know, questions, really important processes that will really set up the success of a business. So really appreciate you both, um, you know, sharing your expertise with all of us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was really great to be here and great to participate. Yeah, really. Thank you. It's been our pleasure. A really informative session there from Nina, Victoria, and Gia. If you wish to connect with either Nina, Victoria, or Gia, you can do so via LinkedIn. That information is in this episode's description. For more information about HitLab and our programs like Breakthrough One and the Women's Health Tech Initiative, please visit www.hitlab.org and do engage with us on all the socials, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching for our handle at HitLabNYC. This podcast is available on Anchor.fm, Spotify, and all the good places you get your podcasts. Our next Women's Health Tech Wednesday episode will see Nina speaking with Ebony Dashiell Ai, Senior Director of Patient Engagement and Outcomes Research at Biomarin. So subscribe and hit that notification bell if you want to be alerted when that episode drops next week. On behalf of the entire team at HitLab, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, we wish you a digitally healthy day. <laughs>